Tony and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. Well, good morning, fellas. We seem to be down a couple of guys. Yeah. yeah. I would say we're missing them, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> Can't say we're missing them. So, uh, you know, I, we're, we'll do a, uh, a multiple choice quiz on oh where, boy. where Paul is right now. B. <laughs> it's almost never B. <laughs> um, so, A, Paul is uh, working today. B, Paul is sunning himself on some tropical island. C, Paul is traveling to Maryland to eat french fries. Or D, all of the above. I'm going to vote for E. Paul is taking his mom to the free clinic for her daily checkup. <laughs> Man, I was going to go E, too. He's he's ass deep in Black Power Rangers action figures. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The answer is C. He has gone to Maryland to eat French fries. He blew us off for, for French fries? He saw some restaurant review or, or something about some special French fry. And, you know, you guys haven't uh, eaten out with Paul enough to know that he is freakishly into French fries. Emphasis I, on freakishly. I don't know how many bells and whistles you can put on a French fry, Aaron. Apparently there are some kind of specialty ketchups. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a few. I've had like a curry ketchup and <clears throat> I've had uh, like a barbecue sauce ketchup. And what I typically find is Ketchup's just better without mixing stuff in. I don't know. So, here here locally, uh, we have a, a hamburger franchise called Whataburger, and they make a spicy ketchup that, that rings my bell pretty hard. This has to be – like this is the last one before an action plan, <laughs> right, Aaron? <laughs> well, you know, I, I understand, hey, I might like to have that French fry, but uh, you know, I'm going to need a certain level of commitment from Paul – that uh, currently has not been exhibited. So, yeah, no, I think that we, we're going to have to have a conference with, with Mr. Aponte mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, with with some – a well-defined corrective action plan. We're going to need to see some correction to his actions. It's a limited spending by about 80 percent. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think we probably need to put one of those, uh, you know, monitoring ankle bracelets on him. <laughs> Yeah, because if we're going to keep spending his money for our stuff, we can't let him keep spending it on things like fries. Yeah, that's right. pretty asinine. Yeah, no, it's crazy. That's cr that's kooky talk is what that is. So anyway, that's uh, – you know, we're down we're down to Paul. We're down in the Andrew, and, you know, Andrew, of course, is far too shallow a vessel to put your hopes and dreams into. So, you know, we're not really surprised about that. But, uh, you know, shocking performance by Paul. Don't, don't build your castle on sand. That's right. That's right. So – but, you know – we could sit here and curse the darkness, or and we could, have. And, or or we could light a candle, and that candle, my friends, is Dawn of Planet of the Apes. Now, Tim, I don't believe you have seen this film. That, that is that is a true statement. But I know that my good friend Wayne has. Oh yeah. So Wayne, talk to me a little about Dawn of Planet of the Apes. I loved this movie. I thought it was a uh, it was a really good remake while telling its own original story of uh, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes or no, Battle of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. And it's got me wondering now 
what are they going to do next? Because they've remade both Battle and Conquest now while telling their own original story and doing a great job of do, of that. Are they going to do the original? Are they going to keep going with this, you know, developing into the Planet of the Apes? Yeah, with a more linear telling of the story. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But, I, you know, I went and saw it and took my wife. Did, did you take Sarah with you? Did Sarah see uh, Planet of the Apes with you? She she saw the first one with me, but she just kept getting stuck on the whole apes riding horses with machine guns. <laughs> I don't understand it because that's awesome. Well, uh, I took Suzanne, and Suzanne saw Rise of the Planet of the Apes and loved it. And she loved this movie too, but what, what was interesting, you know, the, the, the two films – are wildly different in tone. You know, uh, I think you can you can very much characterize 90% of the previous movie, Rise of Planet of the Apes, as kind of a sweet film, you know, uh, up until the end where, you know, in the credits when most of humanity dies, it's kind of a sweet film, uh, you know, very tender and, and, and loving. Not so in Dawn of Planet of the Apes. Dawn of Planet of the Apes is pretty damn intense. In fact, yeah. you know, I had some friends who were going to take their small children because they took them to see Rise. And I'm like, you know, it is not the same movie. You know, it's not the funny monkey movie. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I was looking around the theater when I saw it. It's like, are there kids here? There yeah. shouldn't be kids here for this one. It's small kids. I mean, I could see 12-year-olds, but, you know, uh, there were little kids in my theater, like five and six. And uh, I, I was startled by it because it's an intense film. You know, uh, it is violent, though not graphically so. But I mean, you feel the violence in the movie. You know, you feel how frail a human is in comparison to a full grown chimpanzee. Uh, I, 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 I dug it. I dug it a lot. And though I did feel that Commissioner Gordon was on the wrong side of things. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what happened after Batman left Gotham, but I really do feel like Commissioner Gordon had seen better days. Yeah, that that's definitely the case. <laughs> so I, the, the the movie is, uh, like I said, it's very violent. You know, you see, you know, Caesar, who is the first ape to talk in uh, Rise of Planet of the Apes, is now leading his tribe. Uh, you know, camped on the uh, opposite side of the Golden Gate Bridge from San Francisco out in the Muir Woods. Uh, I visited those when I was there, by the way. And and I saw the chimpanzees. I saw the apes. Just saying. <laughs> uh, uh, my only objection about the movie, and it's really not much of an objection, uh, but they're, all of the ape characters that we see are male. There is no female character who, who does anything beyond giving birth, getting sick and getting better. That's it. You know? Yeah. I mean, I did notice a few female apes just kind of standing around. You can tell by the saggy boobs, but you're right. There are no female characters that play any kind of role at all. And that's but, a, that's a huge distinction from the original planet of the apes movies, because you had such strong female ape characters in those films. Well, and what I didn't expect going in was all of the subtitles. Yeah, I mean, it was very much like watching a foreign film. Yeah, because the uh, throughout most of the movie, the apes are speaking in sign language, and the only there's a lot more talking near the end. Yeah, but for at least the first seventy five percent of the movie, the apes are signing unless they're talking to a human. 
Yeah. Well, and, and one of the things that, that's interesting is anytime the apes talk, you know, they really don't have, uh, uh, you know, they really don't speak softly. <laughs> you know, there's no ape with NPR voice. I mean, these are all apes yelling at you. When apes talk, they tend to, it tends to be very forceful, you know, and which really does lead to some of the intensity of the, of the movie. Yeah, I kind of got that they don't really speak very well, so they're they're having to force the words out. Right, right. Now, uh, I I think the the breakout character of the film for me is Maurice the orangutan. I I I I, I absolutely love Maurice. I liked Maurice in the first one too. I did too, but he got more screen time this time around. Yeah, and he finally gets to speak. Well, and I love – I think the thing that I found so charming about Maurice is, you know, they played that that same kind of style from um, the original Planet of the Apes films that the orangutans are a little bit more philosophical, a little bit more you know deep thought kind of guys. And he he reads, you know, and he's, you know, interested in books. And he's not interested in any book. He's interested in comic books. Yeah, and so, I, I enjoyed that. And there's this great scene where you know one of the humans shares you know a big trade paperback with him and sits down and reads with him. And I'm just like, you know, that's how we grow the damn comic market. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we need you know, to, I, we need to market our books to apes with disposable income. How, I loved how they worked in watching video of uh, of the first movie as well. Yeah, because in the in the original. Caesar makes his way into the city, watches video of his parents. Right. Well, that's not something they can do with this one because he's not the child of apes from the future. Right. But they still manage to work in the touching moment of watching video by playing scenes from that first movie. Well, and you know what I like about that is that it's not just, oh, hey, there's this found this found footage from the earlier story. But in that earlier story, uh, James Franco's characters had the video camera out all the time. You know, th- that was actually part of the movie was him documenting what he was doing with Caesar. So I, I, I just like how all of that fit in, even though they're two wildly different films and two wildly different ways they're telling the story and tones of the story. They both fit together very well. Well, and being a guy that likes post-apocalyptic stuff, I like seeing a few of the locations that were in the first movie now as run-down post-apocalyptic locations. Oh, yeah. Like the house in the first movie, seeing that with vines all over it and – Yeah. Well, I got a kick out of that. And I like that uh, you know, a key moment from the first film. Which was where you know Caesar when he, when he first get, gets thrown into uh, ape prison, um, he draws the uh, window pattern, the glass pattern of the window that he used to look out of from from his attic, you know, because that's what he how he saw the world, right? And so they use that same symbol again in this film to let him know Caesar's coming. And yeah, I just I, I dug that. I, there's a there's a big story continuity between these two movies. Well, and one thing that they did that I was pleasantly surprised by, I had just assumed that James Franco's character would be one of the people that was immune to the disease. Yeah. That they would bring him back in this movie and they would kind of continue. And they didn't do that. Yeah. And I I thought that was a good move that they they cut ties with him and moved on with the new story and new humans. Yeah. 
No, I dug it. I, I highly recommend it. But you know, if you're going, if you're going to the movie expecting the tender, warm-hearted film that that Rise was, you will be disappointed. Yeah, and it definitely is a sequel to the last one. It's, uh, I think it can hold on its own as a standalone movie, but there would be some things that wouldn't necessarily make sense. No, I agree. I, I think that it really does. I don't think it's it's critical that you've seen the prior film, but I think you're going to get a lot more bang for your buck if you've seen the earlier movie. So I dug it. Big thumbs up. So uh, yesterday, Marvel released their movie release schedule, not the names of the movies they're releasing, but the dates that they're camping out on through May 3rd, 2019. So uh, continuing from their uh, – I believe it's their May 2016 release. They announced their July 8th and May 5th. I'm sorry, the, the July 8th, 2016 uh, release, a May, July, November schedule for 2017, and a July, November, May schedule. I'm sorry, a July and November schedule for 2018, and a May schedule for 2019. The only thing that we're, that uh, everyone's really speculating on is that that July 8th, 2016 movie will be a Doctor Strange movie. And I think that that fits with what we've heard. Yeah. It, you yeah. Know, they seem I'm, to be pretty far along in that one. I'm interested in a Doctor Strange movie, but I won't be excited until I hear some details. Mm-hmm. I need to know who's directing a Doctor Strange movie before I kind of figure out what the feel's going to be. Sure. Well, I, I am just with as strong as the Marvel movies have been thus far, I am pretty darn excited about uh, uh, where this stuff is going. Yeah, and I, I love the character of Doctor Strange, but he's just a character that's so easy to do wrong. I'm I'm looking at these and going, what are we what are we thinking is going to happen? One of, one of those has to be Avengers three, right? Yeah, well, I, I would think that one of those would be Avengers three, some kind of Captain America movie. Um, I think they're retiring. I'm not sure that there is another Iron Man movie coming. Um, I think that uh, that uh, Robert Downey Jr. is just going to stick to the Avengers films uh, uh-huh. for the foreseeable future. I expect a Thor three in there. Yeah, but you know, probably new stuff, and probably depending on how the Netflix stuff does, you could see like particularly in those twenty nine in that twenty nineteen release date, maybe you see a Defenders film. You know, uh, as they kind of fuel that stuff. So, uh, I'm very curious about that. You think one of those is Planet Hulk? It could be. Uh, but- Oh, that would be Planet Hulk. so awesome if they yeah. made a movie out of Planet Hulk. Well, you know, they I think they're a little gun shy because they've had, you know, two Hulk movies underperform yeah. uh, prior to them coming over to to wholly owned uh, Marvel Studios. I, I sh- it sure would be nice to see a real Hulk film, you know, and Planet Hulk would be the way to do that. So anyway, exciting stuff on uh, on the uh, the Marvel movie franchise scene and of course you know we are just what two three weeks away from guardians of the galaxy hitting theaters on august the first i am so excited i can't wait now wayne i don't know you know if you saw but you know immediately following our uh, prior discussion on guardians of the galaxy toys i went out and bought me a rocket raccoon uh which one did you get i got the one where he's just holding the big gun he's about yeah. maybe five or six inches tall did you see the tiny little figures Yes. I also saw the one that talked and I didn't care for that. Because <laughs> I – yeah, I didn't like the talking one either. I bought all of the tiny figures. Well, I, I am I'm desperately waiting for the plushie 
And I, I got to tell you, the they had Star Lord's gun, <clears throat> and I, uh, I I just paused over it for a long time, <laughs> trying to determine if I needed Star Lord's gun. So the just to just to end speculation, the long national nightmare is over. Juanita has decreed that she wants to see Guardians of the Galaxy when it comes out. So really? That will be everybody on this podcast seeing it <laughs> the day before. Well, you know, nice. I, I am I. We are tra- uh, planning a bunch of stuff at work right now, and they're like, "Okay, Aaron, we're gonna need you over here on August the first. I'm like, "Whoa, um, I'm not available August the first. <laughs> no, no, we need you over here. No, 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 check the calendar, man. I'm off that day. Can you move it? I cannot, because <laughs> I'm seeing Guardians of the Galaxy on, on August first, motherfuckers. Just saying. <laughs> I am. I I will not be on some West Texas back road on August the first. I will be sitting my ass. In a stadium seating, 21st century technology, uh, you know, projection and sound, I will be enjoying me some Guardians of the Galaxy. Just saying. I'm, uh, I, I gotta say, I'm ten times more excited about the Ninja Turtles the week after. <laughs> oh, that's See, just... I, I'm not. Like, I'm a Turtles fan. I like the comics. I like the older stuff. The Turtles look horrible, and Michael Bay has done it. So my, he is going to have kicked my childhood squarely in the groin when it comes to the turtles. So yeah, I, Michael Bay. I might see it in theaters, but I don't even think I'm going to see it in theaters just because it's Michael Bay. And I've already seen what he's done to Transformers. So I don't know that I want to see him destroy the turtles. Well, I, 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 I not to derail it, I... I I was I was with you, but the, every time I see a, a, a you know a commercial for it, I'm like, yeah, I want to see that. <laughs> I don't so, like their look. They're too tall. Yeah. yeah, they're too big. Too much. They look more like monsters than turtles. Well, I, I think that this will probably be a cable movie for me. Oh, Aaron. I'm you know I'm not a. I, I am not a. Uh, I like my mutant ninja turtles the, the way that I discovered them. Which is in a black and white floppy comic book. That's what I want. Those are my turtles, man. Now, maybe if you had Frank Miller and Robert Rodriguez directing a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, a la Sin City, yeah, I'd be in. (laughs) (laughs) That would be pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'd be down for that. But, uh, you know, this this, uh, color film, what's that all about? I don't understand. I might grab my copy of the original live action Ninja Turtles and watch it that day instead. Oh, shudder. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, back to Guardians of the Galaxy. What is this rumor I hear about Howard the Duck being in space? Yeah, so they've uh, they were looking at the official credits and they give credit to the creators of Howard the Duck. So huh. that to me indicates that we may see a cameo. Like I'm thinking maybe in the uh, in the bar, he might just be sitting at a table smoking a cigar. Oh, actually, Marvel doesn't let people smoke cigars anymore. But he might be sitting in a bar or drinking something. He's an alien. He can smoke. It's <laughs> fine. Well, I'll, I'll be on the lookout for that. So, uh, Tim? Yes? I've had an Aerosmith song running around my head most of the week. Love in an elevator? Yeah, it's, it's Thor looks like a lady. Ah, ah. <sighs> So Marvel Comics announced this week that uh, Thor, uh, the Thor we know, Dude Thor, as he'll as he will become post this story, um, 
<laughs> will be relieved of his hammer duties and a new Thor will rise, this one of the lady variety. Uh, Jason Aaron will be do- will be telling this story as part of his ongoing Thor run. I know that Tim is particularly excited about this announcement. There's about four minutes of preamble here, so you're just gonna have to bear with me. I'm gonna I'm just gonna go ahead and brace myself. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Eric could probably go pee. Awesome. Uh, so, Jason Aaron has written two really good arcs, in my opinion, of Thor. Which was God Mom, and I, I, I did like the Broxton, uh, or I'm sorry, Rocks and Oil, um, Last Days of Midgard storyline. Both of those have, were really solid. If anybody's earned the benefit of the doubt, it's Jason Aaron. But let me say this: like when you say the word Thor, you're thinking of Thor Odinson, the the six foot whatever the fuck he is, blonde dude, beating ass and taking names. Just lightning coming down. It's it's iconic, and like you know, when we talk about Captain America in a second. I don't get as worked up because that's not my guy. I've read Thor since I was twelve, <laughs> you know, <laughs> basically straight through. Um, it's just something that I don't know. It just kind of ingrained. I I like powerful female characters. Like Wayne and I really enjoyed the run on Wonder Woman that JMS did. I you know. That's not a thing to me. The problem I have is when you call it Thor. That I think that's where I get pissed off. Like you call it anything else, I you know give it a try or whatever if it looked good. But I, I don't know. I I think it's it's a little different than what they did with Beta Ray Bill, because that's kind of the storyline they're going with. You know that that Thor is unworthy to wield it, so we're gonna have Beta Ray Bill. Well, Thor's un- un, you know, not worthy to wield it, so we're going to have Lady Thor. No, she's going gonna... she, to be Beta Ray Jill. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. I, I was thinking she Thor. Oh, my Christ. So I I was happy when I saw the picture of the Avengers and realized that that wasn't going to be Angela wielding the hammer because then I would that would have kicked it up to a four-alarm fire. But knowing comics, I know that this is going to be a 12-issue arc or a 6-issue arc or something like that. And I shouldn't I shouldn't get my blood pressure too high for it, but it, it irritates me. You know, I I gather that they're falling back on the the inscription on the side of the hammer that says, you know, he who, he who ever be worthy uh, and holds this hammer shall, you know, have the power of the mighty Thor. And that the naming convention is not that, you know, you would be like Thor, but that you would be Thor, which is, you know, why uh, Jason Aaron said, no, no, we're not talking about Lady Thor, she Thor, you know, Thordis or Thorina. Uh, She will be Thor because, you know, she lifts the hammer. So I think that's the the position that they're going from. And I can't say I disagree with it. You know, Um, I I, I think I think that it's an interesting distinction that uh, to bear the power of the Thor, you don't have to be gender specific or even human specific in the case of Beta Ray Bill. So my issue with this, nothing, no issue with the story at all, because I don't know the story. All of the all of the reactions I'm seeing is where I'm kind of taking a little bit of issue with this. First off, this isn't the first time Thor has been a female. We've seen female Thor before. It's been a long time, so I get that you know mainstream people have never seen this before and that it's new. But okay, the second is I see a ton of reactions saying 
you know, yay, this is a great thing for Marvel. I'll be picking Thor up for the first time and all of this, you know, outcry about it just because Thor is going to be a female. Mm -hmm. So you have people picking up the book solely for the fact that there's going to be a female Thor without any idea what the writing is like, what the story is going to be like. Or if it's going to be any good whatsoever. They're just assuming it's got to be good because it's female Thor. Well, I think they're, they're saying that, it, that they're anticipating that it's going to be good because Jason Aaron's writing it. And Jason Aaron has had a really strong run on Thor. Um, you know, if they were readers of Thor, that would be one thing. Well, but I mean, but no, take a, no, I'm seeing mainstream people who haven't read comics saying, I'm going to finally pick up a comic now because of this. It's yeah. strictly because it's a female. Well, and they it, want to support Marvel for putting a female in the role. And yeah, I get supporting that, but well, you're picking I, up a comic you know nothing about just because it now has a female character. But for you and, and I, for you and I as, as folks who have known these characters for a really long time and have, have known the different conventions and, and, and tropes within comics, we get that. But think of it this way Thor is really, in many respects, is a bigger, more popular, more bankable character than Superman. And when when I think a lot of the people that you're seeing her saying, well, fuck, I'll pick up a comic now, those are people who only know Thor from the movies. They only know Thor from Chris Hemsworth. You know, they, they and so they're thinking, wow, we might, because I'm having had conversations with people about it this week, I think they are, they're instantly making that connection that one day they might see a female Thor on the screen. And I think that in particularly jazzes the audience. Yeah, and I mean, I do get why people are saying it. It's just, it bugs me that people will go pick up a comic book solely because of the gender of a character. See, me, I'm just happy that people are going to go pick up a comic book. <laughs> because the more people reading them, the better off we are. I, it, it just seems like it's... I don't know if it was a reverse sexism or what, but it's <laughs> buying a book without any judgment on the actual merit of the story itself. And that's, I, yeah, I that absolutely kind of agree. Me. I feel I feel like people think like having the opinion that I don't like it is sexist, and I'm like, I don't know. That's that's not the opinion I have. I don't like it because that's the one. That's that's my comic book guy. You know, sure. You take you take even Batman. You take everything else away. I only get one one actual like comic book character. It's Thor, and so. <clears throat> but is it the hammer that makes him Thor, or is it Thor that makes him Thor? It's Thor. It's Thor, Odin's son, son of Odin, brother of Loki. The whole, the whole, but everything that goes with it. You're still gonna have that guy though, from what we've seen. Yeah, because, but he's cause... gonna be like drunk, <laughs> louding Thor. That's gonna be obnoxious, and we're just gonna Thor. wait for him to get back his hammer. But he's gonna be axe wielding Thor. He's gonna be cleaving people's skulls. See, I'm actually thinking of uh, picking up some of the story arc because, like you guys were mentioning, Jason Aaron, really good writer, and I want to see not the new Thor. I want to see how old Thor deals with someone else wielding the hammer well, we've seen it before mm -hmm. but i don't think any of the writers we've seen do it before have quite the skill of dealing with thor as a character in the way of dealing with oh someone else is worthy of my hammer and i'm not right and i think he can pull that off i'm debating dropping the book that's, you know, it's not a, a it's not a reason for me to hop on, but I'm currently reading Thor right now. I, I really do enjoy uh, 
the uh, the take Jason Aaron has on the character and the three different periods he's telling that story in, you know, the three different uh, life cycles of Thor. So I, I'm, I'm interested and, I, and I'll, I know I will at least pick up the first book. I wonder if he'll still tell the other different life cycles. I don't so know. you may still have regular male Thor right. and then female Thor and then, you know, King Thor. Yeah. Past Thor, present Thor, future Thor. Uh, so another bit of Marvel news this week, um, we find that uh, in the pages of Captain America, um, I, I, I didn't catch it. Is Steve Rogers dead or is he retired or what? But we're going to have a new Captain America and this one will be an African-American. So basically in, the, in one of the storylines, a villain somehow sent Cap to an alternate reality where he was gone for a while. Right. And then he came back, and they managed to suck all the super soldier serum out of him. So he is still around, alive, and in the book, but he looks like a 90-something-year-old man and has no ability, so he can't go into the field anymore. Mm. He can still lead, provide you know, input and things, but... He's a 90-something-year-old man. He can't physically go out there. But having I, having the osteoporosis, probably not good to get out there and fight the Reds. It's, it's not a superpower. <laughs> exactly. Well, and one of the things I would like them to deal with that I don't think they will is that when you get older, your mind tends to go. It sucks. I would like to see Cap have to deal with that. Realize he's not mentally what he used to be either. But I don't think they'll do that. So, you know, lots of folks very excited about seeing, you know, uh, you know, Black Captain America. Um, Man, if I thought I got my character boned. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not excited about this one just because it doesn't seem like we've had Cap back that long. Maybe we have. But, I mean, we just went through someone else being Cap. Yeah, I'm I'm this I'm I'm right there with you on this one, Wayne. Uh, it has nothing to do with you know, hey, we'll have a black Captain America. And by the way, we've had a black Captain America before. Um, it's the whole we we had you know Cap shot and died and lost in time with Bucky uh, assuming the, the mantle of Captain America, and then we had Captain America back, and then we shot him into an alternate reality, and then we got him back, and now he's well. And for a while, he was just the captain. Well, yeah, he was he was, uh, you know, super soldier. He was Steve Rogers, you know, director of S.H.I.E.L.D. super soldier for a while and not wearing his own costume. So it just I, I don't object to having somebody else uh, wearing the costume. What I do object to is how quickly they've cycled Captain America out of it. And I think that really shows uh, the writer's inability to tell Steve Rogers stories. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that. Uh... It's not the story itself that I have a problem with. It's the timing of the story. Right. If they have waited another five years to do it, I don't think I would have any issue with it. Yeah. But I, I'm sorry. I just, well, here's my concern. I and, and I think we're gonna get. Well, maybe we'll save this until we get. But I think some of these are movie decisions. Could be, could be, because it does I, I, seem like the movie audience fan base is the one that's really getting jazzed about these decisions. Well, I get frustrated when they put other people in the Cap suit just because, to me, it undermines Cap as a character. Like, he is somebody with the super soldier serum, which is what makes him able to do what he does. When you put someone who essentially has no physical powers in the same suit, 
and have him doing some of the same things, it really undermines what Cap is capable of. Yeah. And the same thing with throwing the shield. I like that you need super strength to effectively be able to do the shield. The only, you know, they made a point to say the only reason that Bucky could really use the shield was because he had the robotic arm. Right. Well, what a, the Falcon has no super strength. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, Captain America is Steve Rogers. You know, he it's the it's the nobility that Steve Rogers brings to the character, the value that Steve Rogers brings to the character, as well as him being a super soldier. Yeah. And I mean, after the movies, Falcon was incredible in the movies. If you want to do something with this character, make him more like the movie Falcon and then I'll care about him. Right. But yeah, it just seems it's too soon to do this after everything else they've done with Cap. And I really don't like people without powers going in the suit. If they want to somehow give him the super soldier serum, then that issue will go away. I've got will still be stuck with it too soon. I've got an idea. Thor apparently is going to have an opening on his schedule. Why couldn't he be the new Captain America? Oh, Jesus Christ. I would read that. <laughs> Why not? Because that's obnoxious. <laughs> He's not American. Captain Asgard. <laughs> no, I, 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 think we, I think we have fixed this. Marvel needs to put us on, on, the, uh, on the payroll. Yeah, I mean, he's got the powers. He's got the strength. <laughs> you d- what, what, Tim? It's like going from the White House to the outhouse. <laughs> just <laughs> not impressed. So uh, there was an, an internet uh, uh, war about a week or so ago that, that somehow I missed until last Sunday. But uh, Rick Remender, the writer, the current writer of Captain America, uh, had written a scene between Sam Wilson and uh, a, a, the the young woman that Captain America brought out of the Zolaverse. Uh, who, when she started off, uh, was about 11 or 12 years old. And there was a miss, there, there was a panel which revealed that the two of these characters had sex. And as the internet does, somebody misunderstood and thought that Sam Wilson was having sex with an 11-year-old girl. So let's stick with that for a moment. So hashtag Fire Rick Remender showed up all over social media. Because, you know, God damn it, that Rick Remender, he's out there having having the black men having sex with white little girls. And uh, uh, turns out that the character is actually 23 years old, 23 years old. It's Marvel Universe and people age at weird at weird rates. And there is actually a panel that describes her being 23 years old. And and while I'm not reading the comic, I've seen the panel online and she is actually a full grown woman on this panel. Uh, she no longer looks like the you know child that John Romita Jr. was drawing. Um, but nevertheless, <laughs> when, when the internet leaned into it because, yeah, they were wrong, but they still wanted Rick Remender fired because he made them misunderstand his comic. <laughs> and I have seen so many arguments online about this. And, you know, they're trying to to drafted into, oh, yeah, okay, well, maybe we were wrong about what Rick Remender did. 
But we didn't like the way Marvel, you know, uh, responded to the outrage because, you know, you had guys like Axel Alonso going, I'm sorry, you guys can't read. You had guys like Tom Brevoort <laughs> saying, sorry, you guys can't read. <laughs> Actually, my favorite, my favorite was Jonathan Hickman saying the whole thing is an insult to those of us who are legitimately trying to get fired. <laughs> yeah, I cracked up about that myself. That is awesome. I didn't see that comment. I saw even including uh, Mark Wade. And my local comic shop, Zeus Comics, getting into it. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I won't belabor the positions, but, you know, Mark Wade was, uh, you know, defending writers in general and, and Rick Remender specifically. And, you know, uh, calling out those people who are throwing you know fuel on the fire to an issue that wasn't really there. Um, and, you know, Zeus Comics took the other position. And I mean – I saw at one point where Mark Wade says, yeah, you know how you call me a uh, friend of the store, Mark Wade? Stop doing that. Um, I, 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 it was startling to me to see where this went. Uh, <laughs> so I think that, that perhaps we need to change the hashtag from fire Rick Remender to spank Rick Remender. Because, you know, I, I think that we, we, we kind of object to uh, where he's taking Captain America. Uh, just in terms of timing on the story, not the story itself, but the timing of the story. But fire Rick Remender just seems a little harsh, particularly when the Internet apparently can't read. Well, and I think part of the confusion on the storyline is that Cap and this girl were in another dimension for 10 years. Right. So in the regular Marvel Universe, she would be younger, except she was in this other dimension with him all this time. This was a whole situation where someone wanted to to, to yeah. make a fight, but they didn't have the uh, the actual issue. They'd created an issue, and that's what I found yeah, a little gonna, offensive. Yeah, I was gonna say it, it has no it, it lost having anything to do with the comic book. Like probably a, a day into it, probably my, my guess is. Well, and what but also it, cracks me up is that you know you've got people saying fire Rick Remender. So let's say that even if. The story was correct that, you know, he's got the Falcon there having sex with a little girl. Right. Even if, you know, he's got an editor, <laughs> he's got a, an entire, you know, multi-billion dollar corporation. I would have seen the light of day. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, and I don't think in those situations, that kind of choice, I mean, it should be hashtag fire Marvel comics. <laughs> you know, I mean, it shouldn't be hashtag fire Rick Remender. Well, I also think if they wanted to put a new Cap in, that she might have been a better character to have been Cap. Because she grew up with him. She uh, was – he was raising her. Are you I think what we're saying is – I think what we're – way of saying is white men shouldn't be superheroes anymore. That's what <laughs> Hashtag – Well, no. I, I think it was too soon to uh, – it was definitely too soon to tell any kind of story like this. But – you know, I think they could have done something in this alternate dimension to have given her powers, and she would have trained with them. It would have been a better fit for wearing the costume and throwing the shield. What about Thor Cap, though? Come on. God damn it. Oh, well, that is awesome. <laughs> that is screaming to happen. All right, so I am all over Thor Cap. Let's make that happen. Wait, so Zeus Comics is like, yeah, we should fire Rick Remender. Is that what you just said, Aaron? Well, you know, Zeus Comics is a little bit more political than I, than I would care for in my comic book retailer. Uh -huh. And, uh, they are all out there about, uh, gender equality issues, uh, even where, you know, 
there was not a gender equality issue and, uh, you know, sex crimes and and, uh, uh, you know, other issues. So I I find honestly, I find it a little off putting because I'd really like my comic book shop to be a comic book shop and maybe not necessarily so much a place where I'm getting hammered in the head by the owner about his political agenda. Ugh. Yeah, I love, don't get me wrong. I love those guys over at Zeus Comics, but I think they make a mistake being so chin forward out there on certain issues. I think it alienates their audience and not necessarily alienates their audience because they're politically opposed. And I'm not, uh, but because that's not what I want <clears throat> in my comics retailing. You know, yeah, just, I would get annoyed if I if I saw that, even if I agreed with whatever was being exactly, said. Exactly. And, and again, I don't disagree with with their where they're coming from. I disagree that uh, that they probably shouldn't have jumped in on the on the fire recommender bandwagon because you know at the at the core of the issue, the internet was wrong. But I just I, you know it's the same thing for me when I go to church. I don't want to hear politics from the pulpit. I'm really not interested in politics at my comic shop. You know, comics that are an escape for me. I don't look to uh, to to be politically challenged. When I go to a comic shop, if you want to politically challenge me, do it in the comic book. Don't do it in the comic shop. Maybe you just need a superior comic shop. Well, maybe, maybe, uh. maybe, maybe a superior Iron Man could provide could provide that superior comic shop. Doc Ock Iron Man. <laughs> okay, <laughs> talk, talk to me about this. Yeah, no, I'm down for Otto Octavius Iron Man. I think that would be better than what they're doing. Well, you know, and I wouldn't have the same issue I have with Cap, you know, having someone new behind the uh, the suit because we haven't seen that at Iron Man in a while. Right. So, uh, so, so, so Thor got fired. Captain America got old and had to retire. And Tony Stark got a uh, hipster. That's what I'm reading. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, he's given the world extremists. And he's going to become an app developer. He's got, Steve Jobs is now Tony Stark. <laughs> right. <laughs> See, I haven't been reading Iron Man. I'm curious how they got to this point where he would give the world extremists. Because we've seen in the past he doesn't like to share his technology. There was a whole storyline, the Armor Wars, dealing with him sharing his technology. Iron, well, Iron, Man, changed the, Iron Man changed at exactly the same time that they announced all these other changes, Wayne. Yeah, that is the, that is the the length and breadth of the storyline. We're well, changing I, all three of these characters. I think you no. I think you can make the distinction that Extremis really isn't his technology though, because that was that was developed by another scientist. That is true. So you know he can he can give away you know an apple. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's not going to give away his PC, but he can give away an apple. So yeah, here's your iPod. You have this technology. It's not mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually funny now <laughs> he's like robin hood <laughs> yeah so uh, tom taylor is going to be writing this and wayne doesn't he write injustice and doesn't he write uh earth 2 isn't that tom taylor you know if you'd have mentioned you were going to ask that earlier i'd have pulled one of those books out to see <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the moment myself. Um, Injustice by Taylor. Yeah. Tom Taylor. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, I'm not excited about the news, but Tom Taylor has written a bunch of stuff I really like. 
So and and I'm frankly I'm not familiar with any Marvel work he may may or may not have done. So I'm kind of interested to see what he does on this. I don't care for the look of the costume. The uh, it's just the coloring. I mean the armor looks like normal armor. Right. But I've always liked the uh, the yellow and red armor coloring for Iron Man. It's just what I'm used to. You know, I get that, you know, Iron Man is a techie character, and so he's always going to be modifying and updating. But, man, I sure do like, you know, something that, that looks less lit up by LEDs. <laughs> you know, I, I like the the red and the gold, and I, and I like the fins. You know, I, I like the fin helmet. But, you know, I, I think when, when I look at what my favorite armor is, is back when Bob Layton was drawing it. You know, that's probably just because that I was a kid then, and that's when I when I first connected to the character. I'm sure that other people are like, "Oh yeah, you know, when when uh, Greg Land was driving drawing that character, yeah, that's that's my Iron Man." But uh... see, I first got into the the character in the cartoon series because mm-hmm. I I didn't read Iron Man until uh, actually after 2000. He just is never one of my one of the characters that interested me. So I'm used to the armor they used in the cartoon. I, and, I gotta say, oh, go ahead, Wayne. Oh, and the movies. Like, uh, Robert Downey Jr. really won me over on Iron Man. Oh, yeah. Comic-wise, the only thing I had read before 2000 was The Armor Wars. And I picked that up just because they did The Armor Wars in the cartoon. I, I gotta say, my, my, my Iron Man armor is the War Machine armor. Oh, yeah. You, you know, the, I love War Machine. The mounted Gatling gun. Oh, yeah. So yeah. sweet. But, you know, Iron Man's always been a hit and miss character for me because, you know, you could have someone who's a fantastic writer on the book, but the art was substandard. And I think that you've got to have a really tech-savvy artist who can draw all that stuff. You know, know, we've talked before, like in Star Trek comics, when the guys – when the artist can't draw the ship, you know. And it's the same thing for me in Iron Man that you've got to be able to draw all this high-tech stuff uh, to make it look – right you know as opposed to you know very stylized i want to see it i want to see it very hyper real in a lot of in a lot of respects um and so i've had a problem with that but with tom taylor on this book i i will pick up issue one so i'll, I'll flip through i think that's where i am at that yeah I, i'm interested cautiously optimistic because i've not enjoyed the the current run uh kieran gillen i didn't did was not my uh iron man rider as much as i love him uh he was not my iron man rider so, so Wayne. last night my wife and I were out, and uh, we—it's uh, actually interesting. We chose to stop by Barnes and Noble just because we had the sudden realization: hey, I gotta pee. They've got a pretty good, nice clean bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> so we go I, to I, Barnes I, and Noble. I, I have seen that in their advertising. Need to pee? Come to Barnes and Noble. <laughs> <laughs> so we go to Barnes and Noble. We haven't been in a little while, but I've always liked Barnes and Noble. And I go in, and the first thing I see is they have this huge display up front called Get Pop Cultured. And I'm looking over this thing, and they have a ton of stuff there for free, like chapters of books and uh, posters. And so I grab their flyer, and I'm kind of looking through it. And this weekend was, well, is the preview weekend that starts off this whole Get Pop Cultured thing. And they had, uh, like I said, samples for books and things. And I know. Then I was looking at the things coming up. This coming up Friday at all of the Barnes and Nobles is Batman Day. 
celebrate the Cape Crusader's 75th anniversary with activities and giveaways, including a free special edition Detective Comics number 27, plus enter for a chance to win your own mini bat signal. And that kicks off the DC Comics Spectacular, where they're going to have sales on all of the DC graphic novels. Did you see the Batman masks that they're going to have as well? I didn't. The Batman mask, they're, they're doing, I think, four different Batman masks. So it'll be like the, the upper part of the cowl and the ears. And so you've got the uh, the uh, Batman 66. You've got the uh, Dark Knight, you know, Frank Miller Dark Knight one. Um, there are two others, and I can't remember what they, which ones they were. But, I mean, they were really cool looking as part of the Batman day. But yeah, this was this was really cool. I'm going to go in, pick up my free comic, and sign up for the mini bat signal. And I'm looking at all of the other events they're going to have, and a lot of these are relevant to us as comic book people. Like uh, July 24th through the 27th, they're doing Comic Convention Collectibles Weekend, where they're going to have let you buy limited edition summer convention exclusives from uh, Funko. Wow. So it's like, I have no idea what these are going to be, and they're not going to announce them until July 24th. Mm. But they are the same runs that they do for conventions, the limited edition convention ones. You can just go into Barnes & Noble and buy them while supplies last. Then uh, on August 2nd is going to be Marvel Day, where they're going to have more free giveaways and more prizes. Uh, Ninja Turtles Day, August 4th. And then uh, Page and Screen Weekend is going to be the 9th through the 10th, where they're doing just a lot of uh, books to movies and movies to books and things like that. So it's like I was looking through this. There's all of this free stuff. There's all of these you know, events going on. I'm going to be going to Barnes & Noble a lot, and I wanted to make sure that comic people knew about this because they're giving away free comics. They're doing drawings. They're doing sales. And I'm assuming this is partially because they probably aren't doing well right now and they want to get more people into the stores. But so so let me read the Batman Day press release from DC Comics this week. And it was actually okay. at the at the end of uh, Robin Rises Omega that we'll talk about here in just a few minutes. Uh, but it says Batman Day. It's hard to believe that it's been 75 years since the Dark Knight first swung on to Gotham City scene, uh, ready to deliver a heaping serving of justice to the criminal underground with fists, gadgets, and plain old awesomeness. It seems like just yesterday we were reading that issue of Detective Comics number 27 featuring his very first appearance. Oh, wait. That was yesterday, and we were reading the Detective Comics 27 special edition available to readers for free at participating comic book shops on Wednesday, July 23rd as part of DC Entertainment's Batman Day celebration. Participating stores will be giving away a free copy of this special issue featuring the very first Batman tale, The Case of the Chemical Syndicate, by Bob Kane with a script by Bill Finger, a retelling of that classic story by New York Times bestselling author Brad Melter with art by comic superstar Brian Hitch, a tale uh, by acclaimed Batman writer Scott Snyder and sensational artist Sean Murphy, and a special sneak preview of Brad Melter and Chip Kidd's reimagining of the first Batman story. DC Entertainment is also providing retailers with an assortment of other items to celebrate Batman Day, including a Batman 75th anniversary cape, 
uh, most awesome four Batman masks uh, based on various eras of the Dark Knight history. There's one based on his first appearance, one inspired by the classic television series starring Adam West, one from the legendary Batman The Dark Knight Returns, and one from the current Batman ongoing series. Be sure to swing into a participating comic shop on July 23rd and help celebrate The Dark Knight on Batman Day. So, Aaron, have you ever read a reprint of Detective Comics 27? Yes. So, I haven't. I've read plenty of reprints of, you know, Action Comics number one. Right. I've read Amazing Fantasy 15 reprinted quite a few times. And all of these other iconic characters' first appearances. I have never read the first appearance of Batman. Well, you're going to get an opportunity to do that, Wayne. Yeah, I'm going to be – I'm definitely going to be in Barnes & Noble on the 23rd to get my free copy of it because I said I've never – I've actually never read it. And some of the other things that are going to be in the book sound really interesting too. Like I like the idea of a reimagining of it. Yeah. Well, and I've read that Brad Meltzer uh, story that that they're going to have in issue 27 and it's really good. So – I, I think that this is a great opportunity. And, dude, those masks, I, you have, I know you haven't seen the images of the masks. They look pretty hot. So I'm going to need those. So, uh, Tim. Yes. Um, in the show notes, we have it as Tobin Rises. Yeah, Paul but, Tobin. <laughs> but I think it might be Robin Rises Omega came out this week. Did you get this in digital? I did. I would think you did. Yeah. Um, the... Uh, the physical copy, the paper is not the usual paper. Good or bad? It bad. Yeah, I noticed that at the store. I yeah. So I didn't buy this for a couple reasons. And one of them was, as I flipped through, the price was high and the paper was cheap. Yeah. I, I don't know if they did that because they made this extra, you know, as, as, as an extra size book. But, yeah, they cheaped on the paper. Huh. That's too so, bad. That's not good. Yeah. Um. And that yeah, the fact it was four ninety nine, I was not real happy about either. But it's oversized, so you you know you can understand it. Um. I don't know, Aaron. I want to hear what you have to say about this guy. I loved this book. Um, did you? I did. I you know I I I actually rather enjoyed the retelling of uh, of uh, you know Batman fighting Ra's al Ghul. Uh, fathering uh, Damien and the and the little bit we get to see of uh, Damien's history in the book. I mean, I, I thought those were actually worthwhile pages, and I was I was interested on some of the stuff that they decided to keep in, you know, like the family portrait that you know Bruce Wayne had taken of him and 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 his boys. You know, uh, we got to see that. I mean, some of the, some of my favorite images from the you know Batman and Robin run with you know Damien falling asleep on top of Titus, uh, that 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 tender embrace between you know uh, Damien and Bruce, the scene where Damien finds his mother's missing pearl. Some of these stories that were just kind of you know weren't part of the ongoing story, but they were special moments, and it was just kind of nice to see those recapped. Um, and, and done by done in such exquisite detail by uh, says Adam Kubert. I get my Kuberts confused. Yeah, Andy oh. Kubert. Sorry, uh, Andy Kubert did the artwork on on this uh, on this book and and just did a, a great job on it. Um, so you know we spend a lot of time on recap. We, we then we jump into a, a big fight between uh, you know Batman and his new ally Ra's al Ghul and the Assassins League and Frankenstein against the hordes of Apocalypse. 
and I dug it. I really did dug it, dig dig it. And you you clearly see the path they're going to be uh, walking to bring Damien back to us. So I'm I'm jazzed about that as well. Um, I like the beginning and I like the I like the ending, the ending scenes with the Justice League. Uh huh. The rest of it was just fight scene to me. Well, and and there was an awful lot of fight scene, but I did kind of enjoy the fight. Um, I also particularly enjoyed Bruce just punching himself out on Shazam. You know, you got Captain Marvel there, and you know <laughs> Captain Marvel's just sitting there taking it, and his, his the skin on his face is moving, but you know he's not actually taking any damage from you know these these you know full on in the face punches from Batman. You know, and it, it just, you know, you kind of half expect that Batman's breaking his fist every time he hits Shazam. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I dug it and, and I like where it's going. And uh, I, I, I'm excited about this story. If they're going to continue to charge four ninety nine and chintz on the paper, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if I can do it. Well, you I, know, I think I might have to wait for trade. Well, I gather that, uh, you know, this was the kickoff because, you know, the, the next uh Story continues in Batman and Robin 33, which should be regular pricing, I'm guessing. So I think this was the kickoff issue to rob you of your five bucks, and then you're uh-huh. back into normal cost after that. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm wondering. Not, I say, I'm still not convinced it's going to be Damien that's Robin after this. Was it's going to be Damien. You stop talking like that. And I flipped that's through the speech. book. I didn't. Hashtag I didn't buy it. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't buy that. it. I didn't read it, but I did flip through. And when I saw all the. Uh, all the parademons and the new god stuff, I that alone told me I wasn't gonna enjoy the story. This is hate speech Wayne. Hashtag fire Wayne Cole. Just saying. I'm uh Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I, I like I wanted to bring Damien back, so I guess I should be happy. Mm-hmm. But I I just I'm just not a fan of anything new gods slash apocalypse. Oh. I just hate that shit. And I get that. I mean I think the new gods are an acquired taste. But, you know, I and I, I wish Paul was here to talk about it, you know, because Paul is is big time New Gods guy that cover with uh, with Dark Side wearing Batman's cowl uh-huh. is pretty hot. It, well, and that's the thing is I like Dark Side. I just don't like the rest of the New God stuff. Mm-hmm. So if they could just n- not tell anything about the rest of them <laughs> and just use Dark Side as the villain. If you could keep your those glorious, are stories I enjoy. If you could keep your glorious Godfrey to yourself, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, your granny goodness and all that crap. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Tim and I read another book this week, and actually, you know, this was uh, Teen Titans number one. The cover of which was also the subject of an internet <laughs> rage. So, <laughs> so Tim. I got so I get to the comic store and I'm like, "What is this cover?" Because it wasn't the cover I was looking for. Right. Well, they apparently did another cover. I'm like, oh really? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's so it's such a goofy cover too because it was like all the Teen Titans like clowning on Batman kind of. Huh. It was just that was nowhere in this book. So it was like an obnoxious like slap together thing to make people happy so i flipped through it at the end i found one co- one copy with the with the uh the evil cover so i had to get down <laughs> the evil cover uh hashtag likes boobs yeah so <laughs> <laughs> i god damn it aaron <laughs> what's what's the matter tim talk to me this tim book, this book was not this book was not fun okay tell me about that well 
it, it felt like the same thing that, that we got when, when I when I flipped through Teen Titans one when we started the new fifty two. Right. And I just they just don't click. I guess, I guess that's my point. I don't I don't want Beast Boy and Raven in this book. Uh, like my Teen Titans are Red Robin, Superboy, Kid Flash, or mm-hmm. Impulse. Right. And in Wonder Girl's fine too. Like as far she fits in that genre. Like I have all I know about this bunker guy is he makes pink blocks and he's apparently gay and is a hothead. I don't I don't need that. <laughs> you know, I I don't like the redesign on Raven. I think she looks kind of stupid. Yeah, the I, the 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 clamshell mask that she wears that's kind of goofy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's dumb. So. I don't know. I wish they would pick a genre and just stick with it with the, with this group. Well, you know, I I uh, was not incensed by uh, the cover that the you know that the rest of the internet was, but I, I will object. I, I know, right? <laughs> but you know, I, I will object to one thing: is that this is the Teen Titans, and you know they they do draw Wonder Girl like she's twenty five years old, you know, um, and and yeah. had a boob job. <laughs> Uh, I don't. I don't know any teenagers with a rack like that. And I mean, I wish that I did back when I was in high school, but I didn't. I didn't, Tim. I was robbed of boobs. Aaron, I I like that you <laughs> threw in the back when I was in high school because I thought you were going to go somewhere else. With you thought that. I was going to go all Sam Wilson on this, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag fire Aaron. <laughs> um, Polly at funnybooks.com. That's right. So that's my ob- objection. I mean, I, I think Beast Boy does seem like a teenager. Uh, none of the rest of the cast does. In fact, Robin seems very adult. And, you know, if you're going to have a book called Teen Titans, you should draw them looking like teenagers. You know, and you should have a range of ages. You should have the 13-year-old character and you should have the 18-year-old character. Um, but all of these all of these people, with the exception of Beast Boy, look like they're in their 20s. And I, I, I think, you know, uh, Kenneth Roquefort's doing the artwork. And while the pages are very nice, I think that he misses the boat by not drawing the characters more age appropriate. Now, beyond that, I'm with you, Tim. This was all just one big fight scene with a bunch of people I didn't care about. You know, the, the benefit historically pre-New 52 of Teen Titans is that you had these characters that you knew who had fought as sidekicks with their, with, uh, their parent heroes – and then they got together to do their own thing, and they had they had these this history and this relationship. And like a lot of things in the New Fifty Two is that they're trying to do the same thing, but without the background. And so it it, it just feel it feels like icing and no cake, you know. Uh, and and that's what I got here is, and and I won't be picking up issue two. No, neither will I. And that's sad because I I really like this team when it when it was that his when they had that history. Yeah. And I'm really in digging the Young Justice I'm watching on Netflix now. Oh, yeah. Young Justice is great. I love Young Justice. But, you know, one of the th- – I love Tim Drake, pre-New 52. This guy oh, here yeah. is an empty suit because he doesn't have any of that great history that the, our Tim Drake from the, from the, from the pre-New 52 had. You know, they're, they're trying to say, OK, well, we know people like Tim Drake, so let's keep Tim Drake. But let's not give him that, that rich history that he had. Yeah, you know the, but, the part where he was smart enough to figure out who Batman was. Well, yeah, and and the part where he didn't just spend three months working with Batman, you know that that right. that they developed a father son relationship independent of his own relationship with his own biological father. Yeah, and he never dated an unwed teenage mother. Right. <laughs> you know, I just 
it's it's not a very good story. And you know, they're try I saw what they were trying to do on the page and create this this buddy friendship between Bunker and Beast Boy. Well, you know, they're, what they're trying to do is lock into that same friendship that Cyborg and Beast Boy had, which they've never had now in the pages of the New 52, you know, because now Cyborg's been promoted up to the Justice League. Yeah, he, he graduated. Yeah. And so I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a train wreck is what this is, you know? <laughs> yes. It's, yes just, it is. it's just an awful book. And speaking – I'm sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say you have three generations of Teen Titans in this book. Yeah, because Bunker is is New Fifty Two, right? And it's just it doesn't work. Well, and I, I found that they were, you know, there there is a page where um, somebody is saying, "Why did I have to get saved by the uh, the the gay looking Teen Titan?" Right? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it was a comment that was made offhand about uh, Beast Boy and Bunker. And, you know, Bunker takes offense, but it's not real clear if he's taking offense just on his own behalf or also on the behalf of uh, of Beast Boy. So I'm not sure if they're saying that, that both of these characters are gay or just one of the characters is gay. And because I've not read any really anything with uh, – I prefer to call him Changeling, by the way. <laughs> the Beast Boy name bugs me. But uh, having not read anything with Beast Boy in New 52, I'm not sure. Are they saying that, that Beast that, – that is, is Gar gay as well? I I don't know. Not that I suppose it matters, but on that page, I was like, huh. I wonder if that, if that's a change for the new fifty two. Well, I think one thing we can agree on is that the art the art was at, at least you know a solid clean art. Oh yeah, uh, Ken Ken Roquefort can draw the hell out of a book. I've enjoyed his his work over on uh, Superman previously. Think, but think uh, we can get him on She Hulk, Aaron? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny where whereas I I. <laughs> Uh, the writing certainly wasn't there on Teen Titans, uh, but the art was the art with the with the exception of the fact that the Teen Titans didn't look like they were teenagers was really strong. Um, she Hulk, oh my God, what? <laughs> what the hell? I... Please check, please check Aaron's Twitter feed. <laughs> oh my <laughs> Holy shit! I, I, I don't know who this Ron Wimberly guy is, but. Uh, I mean, I, I think he's dropping acid while he's while he's drawing She-Hulk. Um, that would make a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is horrible, yeah, especially when she's fighting. Well, or anybody. I mean, you know, the hyper elongated arms. Uh, I mean, Mister Fantastic Tiger yeah, for the win. It, for the win, <laughs> it is hideous. And I mean, the uh, the character, uh, her paralegal. Yeah. The only reason that I could recognize her character was because the monkey was sitting next to her. I was like, oh, well, you know, that that must be, you know, her paralegal. Um, But I mean, this the artwork beyond the fact that it's a style I don't care for. um, He is uh, he is drawing things in a hyper uh, stylized fashion uh, that just doesn't work. And he doesn't tell a very good story. Uh, visually, whereas the story by Charles Soule is fantastic. I, I love the story, but you know they swapped Javier Polito off of this book and put on Ron Wimberly, and I, you know I, 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 it was a huge error in choice, uh, such that you know I, I read issues five and six back to back last night, and you know never would have bought six had I read five before I bought it. Huh? Um, 
you know, five has been sitting in in my uh, Comicsology app unread for a while because I just hadn't have, had time to get to it. I love She-Hulk. I love what Javier Polito and uh, uh, Charles Soule were doing on that book. And if if Marvel wants to kill this title, by all means, have Ron Wimberly continue on pencils because I ain't picking it up until they switch out the artists. Yeah, and it's sad because the actual writing of this is incredible. There is a moment in issue five that I actually, after I read it, I went back and reread the issue again. Yeah. And that's when she's talking to Shocker. Yes. And they have a conversation and she looks at him and says, you made all of this gear yourself. I look at you and I think you could be so much more. And he looks back at her and he's like, "Uh, well, I look at you and all of your powers and all of your strength. And I think you could be so much more. Right. And it puts everything into perspective. Yeah. It's like that moment, that was so awesome, a way to look at Shocker. And I like how they refer to people. You know, she is a Hulk. Yeah. And they talk about how there are Thors, there are Hulks. Yeah, that whole that whole uh, dialogue between her and Shocker, you know, about how, you know, he says, uh, Lady, all I, know, all I know about you is that you're as tough as hell. Guys like me, we got a list of people like you, like a rating system. You got your daredevils, your iron fists, those guys you fight. Maybe you get lucky or maybe you're actually good enough to beat them. Now, any Hulk, lady, dude, red, green, purple, you see a Hulk, you run, as you saw Thor's too. <laughs> and she goes, Thor's, he- Thor's, there's only one Thor. And he says, nah, lots. There's lots of them. The fat one with the red beard, the hot blonde gal, that weird one with the horse face. She's like, those guys aren't Thor. <laughs> That's Volstag and Valkyrie. And he says, yep, they're Thor's. Trust me. They're all Thor's. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I mean, it gives you such an insight into the villains and just the Marvel universe that I haven't seen anywhere else. And that's something that not even just in this run, She-Hulk has always done a good job of giving you a look at characters that you've read for years from a different perspective. Yeah. Unfortunately, the, the perspective right now with the art is ass. Yeah, no, the, the the writing is fantastic. And I did enjoy the story in both of these books. But, you know, comics is a visual medium. And if you don't have the right artist paired up to it, no one's going to read your book. And that's what's happening here. I'm not picking up issue seven. If Wimberly's on issue seven, I am out. And I will come back when they have got a, a decent artist on the book because uh, as much as I enjoyed the writing, I mean, I was screaming in my brain uh, about how terrible the art was. But Aaron, the, the assistant was woken up and revived and saved by a monkey spitting into her mouth. And that, that's science. You have a problem with that? <laughs> I mean, that's science. That's just it's science. So- I'm not off the book yet because the writing is very good to the point that even my wife will read it, reads it with me. Even his wife. And she doesn't read any of the comics I pick up. So I'm going to keep going a little bit. Uh-huh. I don't know how much longer I can stay on it, though, for the same reason. Yeah. And I want to like this book because yeah. the writing is incredible. The stories are great. After reading that last issue, like six wasn't as strong as five to me. I agree. That conversation with Shocker was just incredible. Yeah. But if the art's going to keep being like this, I can't keep going. No, no. and and it's it makes me sad because you know the the first arc on the book was so damn good. Yeah, and the so writing is good. still that good. Yeah. 
Yeah. So no, I, I will, I will not make the mistake that I made with five and six and just assume that I was going to get the same high quality that I got through issues one through four. Uh, I, I, I have, I have learned my lesson. You have burned me for the last time on She-Hulk Marvel. I'm sure you will burn me on other things later on, but, uh, I'm, I'm done with you. Done. Even, even with the art though, five was so incredible. I think it was worth it. Six, I can see the argument, but five, that conversation was just, it was good enough to make up for even the horrible art. Yeah. But six isn't. So, uh, you know, if you're listening to this show right now, uh, on the feed is uh, our very exciting Atomic Robo actual play from Fear the Con 7. So go and listen to that right now. And then uh, coming up this coming weekend, this Friday, Rainsboro Season 3, issue number one. Pretty exciting stuff. Okay, well, I, <laughs> I guess I'm the only one excited about it. But uh, <laughs> check back on the feed, ideologyofmadness.com. And if you've got a question, comment, concern, want to recommend that we fire Wayne Cole, hashtag fire Wayne Cole, uh, give, us a call. <laughs> give us a Fire call Wayne. at 972-763-5903. That number, Wouldn't once you again, have to start paying me before you fired me? Oh, we, not, we, not true. We have paid you in goodwill, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel any goodwill. <laughs> that number, once again, 972-763-5903. Thanks a bunch, guys. I assume we'll have uh, Paul back next week. Uh, but we'll, unless, unless he finds more French fries. Yeah, French fries or perhaps onion rings. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. he'll branch out. <laughs> but you know, m- maybe here's what we do: we recast Paul as a woman, Lady Paul. I'm 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 nowhere near as torn up about that as <laughs> I was about Thor. Would we even notice a difference? Maybe we could we could just cross it all over, and it could be Black Lady Paul. Superior black lady, Paul. What do you think? Well, yeah. We... No, 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 no. It, it has to stay Latina because we need someone on Latino Review to give us the inside sure. scoop. Fair. The other thing, the other thing is, we could tell them, Paul. We, 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 you know, we did a poll of the voters, and they wanted Hair Trigger to sound more like Hair Trigger. So there you go. <laughs> you guys have a good week. Uh, bye, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. 